Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty. Hi, guys, and welcome back to Episode 2 of Focus on Customer Service, hashtag FOCS. The great news is we've made it. There is an episode two. We didn't know after episode one. Uh, and I'm really happy to be here again and to welcome back with me Dan Gingis, my American friend. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. If the first episode was a challenge, this one we can be a little bit more relaxed because we know that we're actually continuing, which is great. Absolutely. At least one more. And just a reminder to everyone listening, for those that heard the first or those that didn't, this is a podcast which is actually interviewing brands about social customer service. But the twist is that those brands, we look to you to nominate who you would like us to interview and who you would like us to learn more about their approach and their strategy. Let us know, hashtag FOCS. Let us know brands you'd be interested in and we'll reach out to them and try and schedule them onto the show. And also let us know any questions or comments or thoughts from, from both this episode and previous episodes. Dan or I or, or our guests will make sure we jump in and join the conversation. And today we're very, very excited to welcome Lori Meacham from JetBlue Airways. Lori is the manager of customer commitment at JetBlue Airways, where she's worked for nearly five years. She manages a cross-functional customer support team, which are called crew members, and they specialize in handling inquiries from passengers in a timely and efficient manner. JetBlue was nominated to appear on this podcast by Mark Gilliard, who is at M-A-R-K-K-E-T-I-N-G, that's marketing with an extra K, and he lives in Boston. So thank you, Mark, for sending out a great nomination. And let's please welcome to the show, Lori Meacham. Lori, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Dan and Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, we thought about naming it the Dan and Dan Show, but we figured people might not know what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) Very good point. (laughs) Well, we really appreciate you being here. You're from such a really cool brand and a cool industry, so we're excited to get started. Why don't we start with, if you could... Describe for us, what is JetBlue's philosophy towards customer service generally, and how does it play a bigger role within the rest of your organization, in particular the marketing side? Our approach as an airline, as a company, our mission statement, if you want to call it that, is to inspire humanity. So for us, there's not really a difference between what we're doing operationally and what we're doing with our customers. It's all part of our mission So it's all part of delivering an amazing customer experience. And the way we fit into that is social is just one more piece, one more area, one more opportunity where we can have a touch point with our customers, where we can interface with them, we can interact with them, we can really connect on a personal level. So for us, it was a a seamless choice to be involved here. And overall, what we're committed to, like I said, is is providing an amazing experience for all of our customers in every part of their travel experience. You said that it's kind of an expansion of what you were already doing in customer service. Obviously, social adds a whole bunch of different wrinkles. In particular, it's really the only public customer service channel. So tell me how you take what is already this culture of service and then bring it to a new channel like social. Well, hopefully, if we're doing it right, any interaction you have with a JetBlue crew member will be very similar, whether you're speaking to somebody at the airport or on a flight, one of our in-flight crew members, or if you call 1-800-JETBLUE, or if you contact us on social, our goal is to deliver a consistent experience. So we want that to be something that reflects our brand as a whole. 
and that no matter who you're talking to or where you are, whether you're on our website or speaking to one of our crew members, that you get a feel for what JetBlue is really like. And uh, part of that just goes, again, back to our brand promise of inspiring humanity. We want to make sure that that is the story we're telling in person, in print, in, in, through marketing, in any area, in any way that we're interacting with our customers personally. Cool. And Laurie, can we get a little specific about how you guys actually bring that to life? So can you talk a little bit about your role on the team and kind of the team structure beyond you and and how you inspire humanity with your flyers through these social channels? So my role, I'm the manager of customer commitment and social media. So I'm part of the customer support team. And we're based in Salt Lake City, Utah. We also have a customer support team in Orlando, Florida. Currently, none of the social media team is in Orlando. They're all based here in Salt Lake. But the social media is part of a a larger effort here at JetBlue. It's not limited just to customer support. It also involves corporate communications and the marketing team. There are a lot of people that obviously are very concerned about how we represent ourselves through social channels. But on the customer service side, that's something that we've decided a long time ago that was just a natural extension of what we were doing anyway. Like I said, when our customers reach out, when they want to talk to us. So what we've really tried to do is make sure that even though the crew members that work on our social media team here are customer support crew members. They were trained on our reservation systems. They are very familiar with our guidelines and our policies. We also want them to have a very solid understanding of who JetBlue is as a brand. And they have to have kind of a dual ability to think about things through a PR lens as well as from a customer support lens. So we hire only internally. And right now the team is about 25 crew members strong on the front line. We also have some support for that with two leads and a supervisor, and that's on the customer support side. So that's about the size of it. We are here 24-7, making sure that we're covering our social channels, responding to customers. And I would say also one of our biggest goals is making sure that we always know the answer. And since we don't always know the answer, we at least know how to find the answer. Customer service on social has opened up a whole new world where it's not just customer service questions that you're answering, but it's a whole range of questions on airport trivia, airline aircraft details. There are so many questions we get asked here, not necessarily things that people would ever call 1-800-JetBlue to ask, but because we're available on Twitter or on Facebook, they can ask those questions. I think what we've done and uniquely is building an an internal network so we can always find those answers and continue to build that relationship with our customers and the people that really want to know more about us. It's funny you said that. One of the things that just jumped into my head that you seem to be dealing with in air travel that other people don't have to deal with is the the PDX carpet. Have you you (laughs) seen that? I'm sure there's millions of little things like that that people just seem to love or hate about air travel. You're um, so right. <laughs> the so first true. time I saw PDX carpet, I was like, what is that? And they kind of looked into it. It's fascinating. And, and anyway, with your role, so is your job, you mentioned that they have to have kind of a natural understanding of, of the PR and marketing side of things. Do you kind of see your role as, as helping with that education process, helping get those team members who maybe are care focused to be a little bit rounder with their skill sets? Absolutely. That is part of my role is for my role. We consider it kind of the connective tissue in the company where, you know, I work a lot with the other groups and other departments. But if it weren't for us uh, proactively making sure that we have that education, our frontline team probably wouldn't see behind the scenes as often as they do. So we arrange, and I should also mention that, like I said, we're based in Salt Lake City, but our counterparts in marketing and corp comm are based in New York City. 
So we try to take as many opportunities as we can to have visitors from there come to see us here. We like to have them spend time with the team. Of course, we use email a lot. We use a lot of other online tools for networking and information sharing. But that's really important for us is to keep that conversation alive. It's not a training you can do once and then everybody's up to speed and knows exactly what's going on. But it's something that has to be part of our daily dialogue and always really explaining more about why we're doing things or what position we're taking on something so that the team fully understands that and is able to engage with our customers in an informed and accurate way. So, Laurie, I have a two-part question for you. It seems to me that the airline industry as a whole has really figured out this social media thing. I mean, I know that we look day-to-day at the airline industry generally as just being really good at this. And I'm wondering if there's something about the industry that has made social customer service sort of a sweet spot for it. And then the follow-up question is, because you're in such a competitive industry, how has JetBlue differentiated itself in this channel, specifically compared to other airlines? I do think that it's it's interesting that the airline industry is pretty prominent in social, and we have been from the early days of Twitter as well. I think that's because when customers are traveling, and travel is such a complex experience, there are so many pieces of it, and a lot of things change. You know, we have a lot of rules. I know there's a saying that says we're the most highly regulated, unregulated industry in the world. That's very true. There are a lot of unknowns about air travel, but everything from planning a trip, deciding where you want to go, looking at fares, interfacing on an airline's website, and then actually the travel experience, you know, getting to the airport, navigating through to the gate area. All of those things just provide talking points. And we noticed early on, probably as early as 2007, that there were customers new to Twitter, I mean, Twitter was new at that time, who were finding that it was a good way, if a brand had any kind of presence there, it was a good way to ask a question. You know, it was, it was another touch point. Calling an airline maybe hasn't always traditionally been the easiest experience for some people. I think we're used to the traditional IVR systems. You get in, you have options, you're not exactly sure who you need to talk to. So I think Twitter was an easy way for people to start asking those questions and getting answers. And then when a brand was responsive, that just sort of naturally helped it grow. And I think what we've done for each other competitively is probably put a little pressure on the industry overall in being responsive, seeing the need and being willing to be there, especially around the clock. So how have we differentiated ourselves from other airlines? I think that the answer to that is probably pretty close to what I was saying before, which is that we are not just a customer care team. We don't stand alone as customer support. We work very closely with the other teams that are involved in social and make sure that we're all completely aligned on our goals, on our strategy, that we're constantly communicating with each other and also finding answers. If you look through the Agile Blue Twitter feed, we want you to be able to look at that and see who JetBlue is uh, reflected through this team of people that's responding. You don't necessarily know who it is that's responding, but hopefully the voice, if we're doing it right, our voice is consistent and you get an idea that JetBlue is a pretty friendly and helpful entity that is helping customers have a good experience. 
And what we try to avoid are things like responses that sound like they might be automated or repeating the same thing over, you know, like, oh, sorry to hear that. Why don't you send us a DM with more information? That's something we don't want to do a lot of because we want to be transparent. We invite our customers to share their experiences with us publicly, and we want to work through those publicly as much as possible as well. So I think we have really infused our brand's personality through our presence on social, and that's what differentiates us. That's awesome. And I, I think this idea of keeping people on the channel of their choice is really important because, you know, when people tweet at you, the last thing they want to hear is that you want them to go to some other channel, whether it's even if it's DM, but if it's email or my favorite is when people respond back and say, sure, we'd be happy to help you call our 800 number, uh, which is <laughs> precisely what the person didn't want. So I think that's great. Just a quick follow up uh, question around response time, because I think one of the things that also seems to differentiate your industry is that when people need help, they need help right now. They're stuck in an airport, there's weather, whatever it is. What kind of expectations do your customers have and what do you hold yourself to in terms of response time? Yeah, I mean, the expectation is is very quick. I don't know exactly what customers expect, but we aim for a 10-minute response time. And I know that there have been many times where we have received uh, really positive feedback for that from the people that are tweeting at us and saying, wow, you were fast or, wow, I didn't really expect that. So hopefully we've set the bar pretty high in that. And, and I know that is a goal that we focus on a lot and try to achieve. But 10 minutes is an average. Obviously, there are some situations that are a little more complicated, might require a little bit more time. Hopefully, we're at least given an initial response within 10 minutes. And even if we don't have the full answer, we've at least made contact and can tell that person that, hey, you know, we'll follow up again in just a few minutes so that we keep that conversation alive. But really being responsive is is hugely important. I mean, it's a very quick medium and we are watching all the time. So there's really no excuse for having any kind of major delays in our response time. And Laurie, do you track your response times against your competitors or do you just really care about yourselves and your own customers? You know, we do track them against competitors more as interesting point, but not necessarily as a point of competition. Yeah. Uh, I think that we've decided to do what feels right and what seems like the right thing to do. And the last thing we want to do is start driving toward a metric just for the sake of hitting that yeah. metric. You know, we want it to make sense and we still want to be personable and respond appropriately, you know. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. You can very easily get into a kind of response time moon race, I imagine, in an industry. Yeah, yeah. So it's great to hear. And just a reminder for everybody listening, if you have any questions for Laurie, Dan or Dan, hashtag FOCS, let us know. Let us know future nominated brands and we'll be sure to try and get them on the show in the future. And Laurie, I was fascinated knowing what I know about airline travel, which admittedly isn't too much, but kind of from the outside, it seems to be such a loyalty-driven business with the, with the loyalty programs and the effort that you guys put in there. And so I was just wondering, obviously, loyalty is driven by CRM systems and kind of having that data capture in place and knowing what to do with it. I was wondering how much progress or not you've been able to make on connecting what your team's doing into your CRM databases and your loyalty programs. It's an ongoing work in progress. I mean, that's something yeah. that we're working on that we've been working on for years. But I should say that the tool we use to speak to our customers, and I'll give them a shout-out because they've been really great. Spark Central is what our team uses, and it's great because it has the option where you can add notes to a profile 
So we have been able to link up some of this information, at least internally within that tool. So, you know, we can put their loyalty number, we can put an email address or a phone number, or we can even just put notes because uh, one of our goals is to really get to know our customers. And sometimes when we find out information about them beyond what their bio says or beyond what our conversation's been, we can put little notes there that help anyone who's working at any given time feel like, oh, yeah, I remember that person or I know them or we have this connection. So it helps us be a little more personal but also understand what their history with us is as a customer. Yeah, and I hear you on, on the work in progress front, and it's great that you guys are doing that. I was wondering, do you have – so if a guest tweets you something and you record it inside Spark Central, do you then have the ability if someone calls you – that they have access to that information as well? Or does it kind of exist in social at the moment? Yeah, it just exists in social at the moment. Okay. That would be ideal. Eventually, yeah. I think we'll get to that point, but not currently. Absolutely. And it's even quite advanced, I think, to be tracking some of uh, those loyalty-type numbers aligned with handles, um, which I imagine enables you to do some really quick customer service without having to ask a ton of questions. Yeah, usually. So, Laurie, we expect that a number of the listeners to this podcast will not be working at as big a brands as, as we all work at. And so I'm wondering if you have advice to them who want to either start up a social care program or expand it, maybe eventually getting to the size of your program, maybe remaining small. What are the sort of key points that are important for them to know in order to you know, replicate your success on social service? Sure. I'm sure the first part of my answer will be something that has been said many, many times before, but probably can't be overstated enough, which is to listen to your customers, to see what they're doing, what their social activity is, what their expectation is. But then the second part of that is to be true to your brand. And I think that is the most important thing is being true to who your brand is. There are a lot of brands that you could try to replicate or do things, but it's really not going to do many favors unless you're completely being authentic. So again, it's all part of that service that you're delivering on social, matching the service that you're delivering through any other channel. Cool. And tell us a particularly memorable encounter you've had with a customer on social. I always like to hear the stories behind the effort. <laughs> oh my goodness, there are so many. I'll tell you one that, that's one of our favorites. And I, I know that this customer has shared his story many times as well, which wasn't necessarily our goal in the beginning. It was just to provide something awesome. But I mentioned that we use a tool, you know, we use currently Spark Central. Before that, we were using something else, which actually no longer exists. But one of the beautiful things about these social tools, and I know a lot of them do it, is they capture the conversation history. So you can always scroll back and see what your conversations with that customer have been in the past. So we had a customer, his name is Gavin, and he traveled a lot between Dallas and Boston. It was probably in September a few years ago, and we would had a conversation on Twitter, and he was talking about traveling, and he was talking about going to the airport, and he asked something like, uh, you know, next time I fly, I hope you'll play my theme song. And so we, you know, jokingly asked, what's your theme song? And it was something uh, Hulk Hogan's, I'm not a WWF. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of his entrance music, yes. So, you know, the person that was actually working behind the JetBlue handle at that time, huge WWF fan. So they really connected on this, and he knew exactly what he was talking about. And like I said, that was in September. And Gavin flew again in January, and he gave us a heads up that he was flying. He said, hey, I'm flying next week. And so very quickly, having a look back at that conversation we had had in September, remembered that he had kind of teed us up with some information about what his entrance the song might be. So we found out what his flight date would be, and we got hold of our team in Dallas. 
and we let them know that Gavin was traveling on this flight and that he, it would be awesome if they could play that theme song, Hulk Hogan's song, when he boarded the plane. And the team in Dallas got so excited about this opportunity that they, <laughs> they did that. And they did even more than that. They um, did a little tiny bit of Twitter stalking and found Gavin's profile picture and made a sign, a big poster that said, Welcome, Gavin. <laughs> so uh, when he went aboard the flight, there was some, some amount of fanfare. And they made it really, really special and surprising for him. I don't think he had any idea that was actually going to happen following just a conversation on Twitter. <laughs> so the thing I love about that story and that we've been able to do several times is connecting that virtual experience with the real life experience, something that's actually executed on the ground in person. I think that's what makes it even more real and even more amazing for our customers and getting other teams involved. You know, the social media team, I think, could sometimes kind of be easy for us to take some credit for having fun and, you know, doing interesting and different things. But I think anytime we have the ability and opportunity to throw that the way of somebody at our airports or, you know, somebody else who, who can actually execute on that, I think how much more amazing is it for them to actually be the heroes in that situation? So that's one of our favorite stories. And Gavin, it was absolutely not lost on him. He has told the story so many times. And I know that he, he might be a little more loyal to JetBlue. And he's definitely what we consider one of our BFFs now. And we've had a lot more fun with him as he's traveled as well. So. I absolutely love that story because, as you say, that's I mean one of my favorite things is actually making stuff happen offline based on these online comments. And as you said earlier, with your brand promise, that is literally inspiring humanity, <laughs> playing the Hulk Hogan theme song as a loyal flyer gets on the plane. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't, doesn't get any more human than that, right? Absolutely fantastic. And I just want to say thank you. I, I thought we'd go longer than, than two episodes before we started referencing professional wrestlers, but you have, you've brought us there in episode two, so that is an awesome story. And there is no question the impact of a surprise and delight from a brand, especially when you bring it to real life. I think that's fantastic. And when Hulk Hogan's involved. Anytime Hulk Hogan's involved, <laughs> of course. So glad I could do that for you. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope he ripped his shirt off as he was going onto the plane. <laughs> yeah. So you can follow and ask questions to uh, JetBlue Airways at JetBlue on Twitter. And you can follow Lori at Lori A. Meacham on Twitter. And Lori, just one last question. Tell us what you like to tweet about personally when you are not talking about flights or weather or anything related to air travel. <laughs> Personally, well, it definitely is personal. I use Twitter mainly as conversation. And probably if you were to scroll through my feed, you would see a lot of engagement with my own team. I really love the team that I work with here at JetBlue. Crew members are, are really great. And I, I love to chat with them. I tweet about travel. I don't tend to tweet a lot of links to a lot of articles or anything like that. It's really just personal and uh, things that, that feel good or a little bit of humor or, you know, general life observations. Well, fantastic. We really, really appreciate you taking time to be with us today. And uh, again, one more reminder, if you have any questions for Lori or for either of the Dans, uh, or if you'd like to nominate a brand for a future podcast, please use the hashtag FOCS, focus on customer service, and we will read it and respond appropriately. And that is, again, how Lori came to be on the show. Thanks again to Mark Gilliard at M-A-R-K-K-E. 
T-I-N-G, for nominating JetBlue. He's clearly another one of your fans, maybe not quite as big as Gavin, but he thought enough of you guys to nominate you, so we really appreciate that. Thanks again for taking the time today, Lori. All right, thank you. Thank you to Mark for the nomination, and thanks, Dan and Dan, for having me on. Great. Thanks, Lori. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS and follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingus and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.